yeah. where before it couldn't. And I, and I wore that as like guilt and shame. And now I can wear it as like experience and, and learning and growth. And, you know, without going to the depths that I went to, I wouldn't be able to relate to people the way that I can now. You know, like there's a, there's a sense of compassion and understanding that I have that, you know, and also in the same breath, like no one can say anything to me that's going to shock me. Right. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) like I get, like no one's ever going to say anything to me and I'm going to be like, oh my God, this person's sick. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm so demented or twisted or broken or like, you know, because it's like, oh yeah, I've done, I, yes, I got that. I know that feeling. You know, yeah. I've done something similar. I've thought something very similar to that, you know, um, and there's like an understanding that happens, you know, and I truly believe that the depth of our struggle determines the height of our success. What's up, my soul sister? Welcome to the Magic Within podcast. My name's Katrina Lully, and I'm a transformation coach obsessed with guiding women to unlock their power within so they live an aligned life of passion, purpose, and abundance. I've been where you're at, doing all the things and feeling like nothing is working. And I'm here to help you learn how to live that aligned life of passion, purpose, and abundance. I've spent years investing in programs, coaches, books, and other tools in covering my own blocks, challenging my beliefs, growing and stretching myself to live my most authentic life that is true to who I am. There is incredible power in our experiences, and by sharing our stories with one another, we help each other along this journey called life. This is a space where you will hear inspiring and motivating stories from other guests and tools to help you get from where you are now to who you want to be in this life. You get two doses of magic each week to fill up your cup and start living a life that is aligned with your highest self. We are not meant to do this life alone, and we all have the magic within us to live this beautiful life that's true to who we are. I'm here to help you begin to unlock that power and start stepping in to the amazing woman that you are. Let's do this. My sisters to the Magic Within podcast, I am so, so excited about uh, my guest today. He has become one of my absolute favorite people in the world, partly because he's, you know, helped create a lot of transformation in my marriage, but just because of the work that he is doing and how he shows up. Um, Let me introduce Matthew. He's a spiritual development coach based out of Los Angeles. He helps people reconnect to their highest selves through his nature immersion program, breathwork, meditation, plant medicine, emotional regulation, and trigger release. His life's mission is to empower others to seek out the truth living inside them and to support them on their healing journeys through spiritual practices. Thank you so, so much for, for being here with me, being in this space and what for what you do. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's just, there is a question I do like to ask my guests, and I think it's always just a fun kind of conversation, and um, I'm always curious what the answer is, and when you were a little boy, what did you want to be when you grew up? 
I wanted to be a marine biologist, actually. Um, I've always been called to the ocean and all of the inhabitants of the ocean. Um, yeah, so a marine biologist, actually, is always kind of what I what I thought my path would be. And, and I still spend a lot of time studying and, and learning about the ocean and, and all the things. Um, but yeah, that is a great question. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, marine biology always fascinated me. I was always fascinated with the ocean and, and the water. And it's kind of been a spiritual healer for me as well in that same line. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, you get to see it virtually every day. You live you live near the ocean on the ocean. And I, I'm totally drawn to the water, too. But I love that. I think that's so interesting because it kind of, it does correlate kind of with what you do now and how you bring it into your life. And I find that question interesting to see where, when we were little kids, when we were in our most um, innocent stages and still had the belief in magic and all of the things and what happens when we grow up as adults, like where does our path take us? Yeah, I know that's crazy. Um, yeah, it takes us all over the place, right? Um, you know, the universe always has an idea for, for us and we have an idea and it's about kind of marrying those two and merging those two together and finding ways to connect with our, our purpose and things that we enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, you know, and for myself, it's, it's constantly changing. It's always evolving and where my interests are, where my focus goes um, and kind of like learning to listen to my body to like attune to those changes um, has been really helpful. Um, but it took me a really long time to be able to listen to that uh, to that voice and to those feelings, which kind of have been steering me closer and closer towards the direction that I'm headed in now. Yeah. I think that's so important that you shared that because we, we do kind of learn, like, figure your stuff out, figure it out. And you're not supposed to change or shift or, you know, evolve. And like, you're on this path and you stay on this path. And then I know for me, it was an adopted belief, like, Oh, you mean I can change my mind or I can, I can no, no longer be interested in this thing. And it might change over here to something else, like allowing ourselves to evolve and to flow is so yeah. important. Yeah. One of my, my great teachers, uh, Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith, he calls it flow motion, getting into like the flow motion of, of things. Um, and I love that because it's so true. Like we, we kind of dig our heels in when we find something we like. And then like eventually sometimes like that passion and that fire kind of wears out and we're not willing to like admit that or to see that because we've invested so much time, resources, you know, of our life involved in this one way that when it kind of runs out, it's up to us to really kind of like, you know, come to the proverbial desert again and, and kind of be stranded and being like, okay, like I'm going to be a beginner again at something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. I really love that place. <laughs> the desert, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, ah, yeah, but it's so, so good. You are now into your spiritual development coach, but you weren't always a spiritual development coach. Tell us a little bit about like, who was, who was Matthew before and, and how did you get to this place in your life? Um, well, I'll, I'll start from the very beginning, I guess, of, of the first time that I felt like any type of spiritual support that I had received. And, um, it, I, I had just been released from jail, 
actually. I, I was struggling with addiction um, and struggling to like kind of find my place in, in life. Um, and I had a lot of feelings that I didn't want to feel. And so I numbed them through, through addiction. Um, and so I had been released from jail and they release you at like 1201 um, so that they can go that one minute, they can charge the state for the whole day <laughs> of you being there. Um, and so, and I remember I was in, got released from Santa Ana, California and didn't want to call any my parents or anything. They were actually on vacation. And my whole family was. And so I just decided to walk to the beach. Um, and so I started walking down to the beach. And by the time I got there, it was about sunrise. And, and I was standing in front of the water, just kind of like going like, what do I do with my life? Like, you know, and there was this very clear, like choice that came over me. That was okay, if you take the, a step to the left, you're going to give it a shot. Like you're going to try one more time. I had been in and out of therapy, in and out of rehabs and, you know, but just been like one foot in one foot out of sobriety for a good 15 years. Um, and the other feeling was if you take a step to the right, like this is it, like you're going to commit to this path of, of being in addiction and you're going to lose your family and lose your friends. And like, but the feeling was like, that's okay. Like, you know, the choice is yours here. Um, and before I could even like make the decision, this gust of wind came and pushed me to the left with such force, um, that it was undeniable, like that I couldn't give up, you know, and I, and I made that commitment to myself in that moment. Like there's something that's supporting me and that's something that's not allowing me to like play small and like continue to give up on myself. Um, and I didn't know at the time like what that was, but I knew that it wasn't me. I didn't take that step. Something pushed me, um, in that direction. And, and I did, you know, and that wasn't the moment, right? Like I still struggled for another two, three, four years after that, but I never gave up. Like the, the question, like, should I like just concede to this never came back? Um, it was never an option. And so I always knew that no matter how bad I made my life or what, however, you know, hard things got, there was this resiliency inside of me that wouldn't quit. Um, and so, and that kind of started my digging into myself about questioning how I ended up this way. Cause it, like you said, right. When we're kids, like no one's raises their hand to like line up to be a drug addict, right. Or to be somebody that is, so far off their path and like no one's choosing to be this lost mm. right like it's so you know for me it was like okay like I'm not going to give up on myself so now I got to dig in I got to dig really deep right here and continue to unearth all of these qualities within me that I think I are helping me and I think are supporting me which are actually not right like these were some really old stories and old beliefs that I held on to that you know, I had picked up along the way from some really good people, you know, that were, were trying to help, you know, and one of the things was like, you know, that I was always going to be that way, that I was always going to struggle with addiction, that I was always going to have to like be in survival mode, you know, and like, and I, and I used to remember like thinking like I did my best with my back up against the wall. So what happens when I'm thinking that way is that the universe is always going to be giving me ways 
to or I feel like my back is up against the wall. Um, you know, and that's not a really like it's a hard place to grow when you're always at the bottom, you know, and always like with your back up against the wall. Um, and so that's what started the digging process for me of of kind of unearthing like who I am and why I operate the way that I the way that I do. Um, and and becoming aware of this was like the the key that unlocked all of it for me, right? Like, like to become aware of of the ways that I was denying that still small voice inside of me that was like really gentle and really kind. And I considered myself a kind person and a really good person the entire time that I'm lying, stealing, manipulating, and and using drugs, right? I've been like, so that was kind of the mask that I wore because my nature is really that. It is really kind. And and but like that there was something happening between that kindness, which is inside of me, and then the way that I was showing up and acting in the world. And so it was kind of like coming to terms with with that and then seeing all of the things that I was doing that were preventing me from really being kind, like truly letting the kindness and the love out of myself. Um, and it was really like a reflection of the kindness and the love that I wasn't showing myself um, mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. Um, and so that, that kind of started the, this process and it took me, you know, all over the place. I mean, I went to treatment centers all over the country. I went to, I tried so many different things. Um, and eventually, you know, I, I had this epiphany and like this, the, the last time that I, I used was like, I remember like wanting to reach into my phone for into my phone and be like, okay, I need to call somebody to like, have somebody like put me under lock and key. Like I need somebody else to watch me because I can't trust myself right now. And, and then like this, this feeling came over me was like, that's part of this problem is like, you always outsource your power, right? So if I were to have called somebody else that day, they would have taken me in and like, they would have given me the power to not use drugs. And so it was up to me this time. And I realized that, and it was okay. I need to hold myself here. Like I need to hold myself accountable and, and I need to feel these feelings that I've been numbing for the last 20 years. Um, and it was really hard. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, and it lasted about five days of just a lot of tears and a lot of sadness and a lot of anxiety and regret and, you know, worry, stress, like all of the things that like I, I had been avoiding feeling, you know, um, all came to the surface immediately. And I just held myself. I literally, I remember just like sitting in this, you know, luckily I was, I was in Newport beach by the ocean. So I had this, like the gift of the ocean to kind of like help support me, like through these feelings and like transmute them a little bit. Um, but the, the imagery I had was very specific. It was like, it was like the the Mission Impossible movies, you know, when you start, they start the movie, they kind of like light the wick and then the wick burns all the way through, through all the, you know, opening credits until there's like that big explosion. And so th- it hit me, it was like, okay, like I need to feel these feelings and let this wick kind of burn all the way through. Because if I don't, if I interrupt this process, that's what I've been doing this whole time. 
like, you know, it was like, I haven't let those feelings play out. And those feelings are what have been like keeping me in this cycle. And so I just sat there and I, and I cried and I held on for dear life. Like that's the best way to explain. I just freaking held on um, and trusted that there was, that this was going to end. Right. Like, cause it, the feeling in the beginning is like, there's no way I can live my life feeling like this. Like that it's impossible. This is too much to handle. There's too much happening. There's too much going through me. And, and I can't, I can't deal with this. Um, but just like holding on to that, like the truth of what I had learned through some, some spiritual practices that I had been doing was like that this is going to pass. And like, if I don't, if I stop this process, I'm just not, I'm not going to let this cycle complete. And if the cycle doesn't complete, it's just going to keep replaying itself. Um, and so I just held, I just held myself and, and really kind of cocooned into this bubble for five days of just promising myself, I'm going to feel this. I'm going to feel it no matter what. I'm not going to distract myself. I'm not going to minimize it. I'm going to like just surrender to it. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, but it was the thing that gave me my power back. Right. I didn't outsource, I didn't outsource this healing to anybody else. It was mine. And for the first time in, in my battle with addiction was that was the first time I ever did that for myself. You know, it was always like an easy way to like, Oh, just go check into someplace and like have somebody else kind of like listen to like me babble a little bit about my shit, but not really get, get to process any of the feelings like in that way that that raw um without the safety of like something else and so to be there for myself was the most empowering thing i've I've ever gone through um and i'm glad i did it that way because now i have the ownership and so now i have that like power of choice back um and it was you know and i prayed a lot during that time um you know and and this was a kind of a, a new revelation for me. Like the way that I was praying had changed um, in the same way that I had always outsourced, you know, help and support for things that I needed to be doing on my own. I noticed that the way that I was praying shifted in that, in those few days as well, where I wasn't praying to a God outside of me anymore to like wave a magic wand, right? I was praying to the God inside of me that that created me to like allow me just to give me the humility and the courage and the strength to just feel what needs to be felt so that I can heal what needs to be healed. Um, and so that's what really kind of started this this framework that I that I see um, that it's all all like all the answers and all the truth and all the innocence and all the strength and all the courage like comes from within. Um, and so often in times, like we, we see other people that have done the work and have healed. So we like look to them and like expect them to somehow like take what they did and, and do it to us. Um, and, and, a, and a good, good friend and mentor of mine, uh, Peter Dratcher, he told me once a healer heals no one. We just show the way to like what needs to be healed you know, for them to do the healing on themselves. And that, and that meant a lot to me, you know, that like, so 
you know, a lot of people think like, oh, like you wasted all of this time. But it, but looking back now, like I can see that like the I was just picking up all these pieces along the way that didn't make sense to me that eventually like once I laid them all out on the table and like started to piece them together it made this beautiful picture of like the way out you know so there was a lot of people that helped me and that gave me some tools and some some things to work with but until I kind of like laid all of them out and looked at them in like my own way and kind of put them together to match my life that's when it really started to make the biggest impact um and i could see it that way as far as like yeah like this all of these things were great but like how i run them through myself is like how i get to embody them and how i get to use them um and the healing came from within through like just that deep connection with with myself and like the understanding that I have to do this. Like no one's coming to save me. Like yeah. no one, you know? And and it was a beautiful experience. It was like really challenging and really hard and and but it was truly uh remarkable and life-changing for me. Yeah. I think I mean, thank you for sharing all of that. I, it was incredibly powerful. I'm over here going I I feel that and I can relate to so much of what you shared. And, um, you know, seeing my own journey and how, where I get to grow more and, and what also is like, oh, that's what that was, like just relating those experiences. And there were a couple of things that really stood out was that one was uh, you, you were talking about, you know, where we come to that place of, is this what I get? To, this is what the life I get. Like, this is how I have to live. My back is against the wall and this is all for me. And I think so many people get to that spot and then we turn back into continuing what we're doing instead of, you know, understanding or being open to the fact that we may be directing, be being directed somewhere else and, and we're not able to yet see it or lean into it because we still have another part of the journey to go through and another part of the process. And then coming in you know, allowing yourself to feel all of those feelings and just lay it all out there. How many times, you know, I know thinking about myself is how many times do I cut that off? Because it gets to be too feely. Like yeah. it gets to be too lifey. And it's like, oh, wait, hold on. Let me, and, and cutting it off can, looks just like opening your eyes or grabbing your phone or leaning to the person and thinking, okay, I need you to do something because I don't feel good right now. And I don't like what's happening. And I'm looking to that outside source instead of within for our validation, for our truth, for our safety. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like our, our bodies are, are filters. Like we are spiritual beings having a human experience, but we are organic material, just like the world around us. And so I, I believe like that truly like our bodies are filters. And so when our bodies become anxious and we have these feelings that are, are uncomfortable, right? It means it's our body's way of telling us we're consuming something that isn't in alignment with like what we're supposed to be doing. And, and, and consuming can be food. It can be thoughts, you know? And for me, like I was consuming this story of regret and shame and guilt 
you know, and, and shame and guilt are what are what disconnect us and keep us separate, right? It's like, no one can understand what I'm going through, right? But yet, like, I'm, so all of these things I was consuming, which were my own thoughts, like I was consuming these thoughts that were not serving me. And they were like, perpetuating themselves. So it was like, okay, like, I'm consuming these thoughts that, like, are they true? Like, am I really like that fucked up? Like, no, I'm not. But it's these thoughts that I'm having make me really feel that way. Okay, so like, let's differentiate. What's the truth here? Like, what is what is true to me? And what is like a story that I'm telling myself that actually isn't based in facts? Right? And like, what you know, and then like kind of separating the two and then creating this this conversation and a dialogue between myself between what was true and what wasn't right and what wasn't true was like my ego kind of getting in the way and like telling me like that I wasn't going to be good enough and I needed to stay this way right and like my ego at the time was engulfed by addiction so I can call it like addiction versus like my my soul having this conversation and but like being able to separate those two voices made it easier for me to navigate and to, to like discern and decide like okay like I can tell like this is my this is my addiction talking this is my ego speaking and this is my truth you know and like but and when you when we don't give ourselves the opportunity to kind of separate those two voices like they become like just can like joined as one and it's really hard to tell the difference between like your thoughts and like what's true and what's not within your own psyche um and and then being able to separate them and then like focus on keeping them separate because like as as we develop and we grow like our ego is part of us so it grows and it develops and it's always trying to find its way to in to take control but like if we can just keep our, our awareness on the two then it can't really get ahead of us right like we can always stay ahead of one step ahead of it um you know, and, and the ego is a is a really handy tool, um, as long as we keep it like right there next to us. <laughs> you know, it's like we got to keep a close eye on it, a close ear on it, and just kind of like know where it's at at all times. Um, because as soon as, for me personally, as soon as I stop looking at it and stop like being aware of it, it creeps right in the back door, and it starts to speak just like my highest self speaks. And, and it'll kind of like, it's very manipulative in that regard. Um, and so being like constantly coming into awareness of both voices is really empowering and really special to be able to like bring your ego along with the journey, right? A lot of people in the spiritual development think of like this ego death, right? Like we never kill the ego. The ego does not die ever. Like we have experiences which, you know, are called ego deaths. And the ego death is just a, uh, the opportunity to see where your ego was leading, right? And it kills it off and puts it back in its place. So an ego death is just a reprioritizing of the psyche. Um, it's not actually killing off the ego. The ego never dies. It's, it's something we always have to work with. Um, and so, you know, it's we can't ignore it. We, you know, we can't stuff it because if we do, it just gets louder and louder and louder until like it just takes over. Um, and so to be aware of the two voices has been one of the greatest tools of, 
you know, and sometimes like I'll have to, I do an exercise with, with clients and, and with myself where I'll, I'll set up two chairs and I'll speak from my ego and then I'll get up and go sit in another chair and kind of face that chair and speak again from my highest self and kind of start that dialogue, right? Because my ego's like, you're not good enough. This isn't real. Like, you know, you're, you know, it's just a matter of time before you succumb to addiction again, you know? So like, if I don't answer that with like my highest self, like, and just give it the voice, like, okay, like you're scared. I get it. We're, we're venturing into new territory here. I understand like you're scared and you know, I'm not going to leave you behind. Like you still have a say, but like your say, isn't the only say, you know, I'm kind of like coaching my ego on how to come along this, how to come along on the journey, you know, without being so disruptive. And so like that inner critic, that's like constantly like judging, shaming, questioning, doubting, you know, and doing all of those things to us. Um, but actually like answering the questions, right? Like, and like, you can't do this. Well, I can't I, you know, and like kind of just starting that dialogue and it's really helpful. And um, I think to have those conversations with our egos, you know, and to me, that's what meditation really is about. It's not about like silencing the mind. It's about observing yourself, having these conversations and having these thoughts. And when you're the observer of the thoughts, then you can make a better decision and a choice that's based free from the, like from the grips of the actual thought. You know, we have tons of thoughts a day. Some of them like are really cool and some of them are really harmful. Um, you know, and like w which ones we attach ourselves to is like, are the ones that kind of end up like providing the, the path for the day. Um, and so it's good to have those conversations with self and question everything. Right. I question a lot of my thoughts and, and I encourage people to do the same and not just to question my thoughts, but to question like any advice that you get from people as well, including myself or anything you hear from this podcast, like question it. Don't just take it as truth because somebody else is saying it, like really run it through your filter to make sure that it, it, it rings true for you, um, you know, and isn't just like a good soundbite. You know, that like a lot of people, like we see these things on Instagram, we're like, oh, that's great. That sounds really cool. Like, I'm going to share that. But like, does it, do I under really understand what that means? Like, have I like experienced something like that? Have I thought of something like that? Kind of like what I think is, is spiritual development is about is really like questioning all of our stories, you know, and like all of the shoulds that we think and we grow up with, like thinking like I should do this, I should do that, you know, and, and these are all things that like, do I really think I should be doing that? Like, is that really what I want to be doing? Um, you know, and, and running everything through that filter of, of like, what does this really mean to me right now? Like, do I, do I need to be doing this or can I be doing this? Hey, beautiful. I needed to just pop in here really quick to let you know about a special space that is available just for you. I have opened up my one-on-one -on -one coaching spots and one of those spots I think just might have your name on it. If you're anything like my clients, you've had a deep knowing that there is more for you, but you're unsure of how to tap into it. Maybe you want to make yourself a priority, but guilt overcomes you. Some of you, you've created a pretty good life for yourself, but you're not sure that you actually deserve it all. 
That's that imposter syndrome. Maybe you're ready to uplevel your life even more and you're tired of investing in programs that don't seem to work. You know that fear is holding you back and cannot seem to get past it. You're also ready to meet your highest self. This is where working on one-on-one with me in this coaching space provides a clear, precise container where you get hands-on action, hands-on in discovering what is actually truly holding you back, uncovering that through my four-step transformation process. We're going to get clear on your vision and align your purpose in business, life, relationships. We'll nurture and heal your relationship with yourself. We're going to help you rediscover and step into your highest self. Like I said, we'll uncover and remove what is holding you back. And we're going to build this new foundation of both clarity and confidence in all areas of your life. This and so much more is available to you in the one-on-one coaching container. If you're feeling called, if you're feeling pulled to find out what does this actually look like for you, go to the link in my show notes to book a discovery call with me or just shoot me an email over at Katrina at KatrinaLully.co. And I'd be happy to jump on a one-on-one call to make sure we're both a good fit for one another. Like it could be so many different things, right? It's the practice of it for me comes in like, okay, like if I'm getting irritated, like resentment, right? Resentment is like a big one for a lot of people. So like I'll use that one, right? So resentment comes in. And so I can either like spin a story around that resentment, right? And like, and start to make assumptions based on like what this other person is doing, right? Or like I can go and take care of myself, right? And stop like living in the room, which is gonna like start to make me short, irritable, you know, and like start to kind of build up these boundaries and walls with people that I I care about. Um, Or like I can go and process that story and be like, look, this story is not really true. Like what you're thinking is based off of like past experiences. So like clean it up right here and like kind of let it go, but like let that wick burn all the way through, right? So that you don't like stop it and hinder the process and like let the feeling play out in a safe, in a safe space for myself, right? Where if I let that same feeling play out in front of people that have like, that I'm starting to create these stories of resentment around, it becomes harmful. Mm-hmm. And that because that starts to create this cycle of, 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 you know, toxic relationship in that space. But we're taught that like, we need to like stay in it. Right. And like, and process it out, like with the other person, which isn't true. Like we oftentimes, like we need to actually stop that conversation with that person and remove ourselves from the situation to let that feeling dissipate in a safe, in a safe way so that we can come back to this person after that feeling and that wick has burned itself down and be in a place where we can actually listen and converse and speak with like, you know, in a way that isn't going to be harmful to, to the relationships that we, that we have with people, whether it be work, intimate relationships, family members or, or others. So like, you know, but our ego is like, I need to be heard. I need to be validated. Like, you need to fucking like <laughs> yeah. hear what I'm saying. And like, <laughs> you need to apologize. Well, like, actually that's not really true. Right. Like it's, it's like, we need to come into right relationship with like our triggers and like our, our things. And 
a, an exercise that I like to do with clients like around the triggers is like the way the way our brain works is is it's like when we have an experience or thought or a feeling right like we we see something a situation happens and we have this thought and a feeling around it it's like a, a marble at the top of a sand dune and so that marble rolls down that sand dune and so that creates a neurological pathway in the mind and so every time something similar like that happens that marble will start to roll down that same groove and start that process so we get triggered somebody doesn't validate us somebody doesn't hear us somebody disrespects us right that marble starts to roll down that groove and like once it starts to roll down that groove it's really hard to stop you know and that's why like they're called triggers it's because it's it's an automatic response that we have based on really past and old situations so how do we change those right because that groove gets really deep over time and so that marble is going to automatically go down that groove every freaking time and it's really hard to stop it once it does um and especially in close relationships, like you're wanting to fix, right? You're wanting to help, you're wanting to support, you're wanting to heal. And so you're in it, you're in it, you're in it. And then the trigger happens and then it's too late. So like the way that we can rewire the brain and rewire those neurological pathways is by following the marble, like in a safe space. So like when you're not triggered, like thinking about like, okay, this is what happens when I get triggered. I get, I go through anger. I go through resentment. I want to be heard. I want to be validated. I want this person to apologize. I want this person to see me as I see myself, right? Like, and there's all these things, da, 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 da. but none of these are helping. None of these are helping. I'm still in anxiety. I'm still in anger. I'm still in rage, but then there's something on that path that you do that takes you out of that feeling of wanting to be right, wanting to be heard, validated, whatever that is. There's something that you do that like whether it be a walk, exercise, a breath, calling somebody that's not involved in that situation and they're talking about it. It could be meditation. It could be breath work. There's, you know, there's all types of things that, that take us out of that feeling. And so the, what we do is when we get triggered, we know the cycle, right? We know how this works. We've done it enough times. We've gone through these cycles so many times in our lives that we know them really well. So we also know the solution. So instead of like, once that marble starts to roll down that hero and we're triggered, immediately doing that thing, whatever it is, in, in, in putting that closer. And that what that allows us to do is it allows us to put the marble back at the top of the sand hill and make a different choice, right? right? And so uh -huh. over time, like we get triggered, boom, we got to do the thing right away. We know, okay, I need to separate myself. I need to go breathe. I need to go outside. I need to go earth get grounded or you know i need to go jump in the ocean i need to go chop a tree down i need to go yell f words as loud as i can in the forest like whatever it is to like get that energy out of us and then we go do that and now we're, we're back at the top right and now we're we're in a clear like a, a higher consciousness because we've shortened that cycle we've we've kind of cleaned up and refined the edges of what we're capable of and so then we can think a different thought. We can have a different feeling. And, and over time, that groove that's really deep, right? Like it's like the wind starts to sand it over and it kind of like replaces it with this new way of thinking. So now like, you know, and it takes a long time to create this. It's not a one and done thing. 
but over time, right? Like we can, we can literally rewire our brain and, and release these triggers so that when this trigger point happens again, we have a new way of handling it, a new way of being, a new way of thinking around it. Um, and oftentimes like what it is, it's like just a little bit more compassion and understanding for ourselves and for the people that we're, we're involved in relations with, um, which is always like going to be more helpful to any type of situation than like the anger rage and like this, like, I need you to hear me, see me, feel me, validate me, you know, um, which isn't true. Like we just don't need those things. Um, you know, and, but it's, it's another one of those like shoulds, right? Like, should somebody give me what I give to them? Yeah. Yeah. And I know that's, I know that's a big one for a lot of people. And so I'm glad that you shared that. Cause I love that. And I was thinking about like, uh, I'm glad you also shared the chair exercise because I know so many, uh, even my clients are like, well, how do I tell the difference between my ego and my highest self talking? Cause they sound the same. And that's a beautiful exercise that I forgot about that you actually shared with me a few weeks ago, but you know, it's, it's incredibly powerful and talking about the ego, like we bringing it along, bringing it along. We don't have to leave it anywhere. And, you know, I know that I, when I went through my own processes and like for a long time, I thought I was supposed to just like, let it go. Let's chop it off and we're going to let it go. We're going to chop off all the dark sides, all the dark stuff. But as you said, like, we're really looking for this outside. We're looking for that outside validation, that love to be seen, to be heard. And what it's, it's inward, it's going inward and being able to chop those triggers off, not chop them off, but stop those triggers and rewire and do something different. Even if it's like you said, going out and yelling and screaming. Like, I think we think we're supposed to go meditate or breathe or, you know, something that feels really good and loving. And those are supportive if that's what works for you. But yeah. it looks different for all of us. It's a yeah. matter of just changing the pattern and shifting that. And it's practice and grace and compassion for yourself because you won't do it perfectly every time. And I think, too, when we when we get in those trigger points, we think, oh, the, the train has already started. So we just got to keep going, you know, but we have choice to stop yeah. it at any point. Yeah, we have choice. And, and to think that we don't have a choice is also a choice. Like yeah. you're making that choice to think that you don't have a choice. And when oftentimes when we think we don't have a choice, it's just because the choice we do have is too fucking hard. It's too, it's not the choice that we want to make, but it's, uh, but there is choice always. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think that like, you know, the, this thinking that we always need to be like calm and compassionate, like it's not like, yes, yes. And no. Yeah. <laughs> right. <Yes>. Like, <laughs> like, cause I know like a lot of people are going to be like, okay, well, like if I'm doing the work, but the other person's not, what's the point. Right. Right. So, but here's the, the point to that is, is that this is how we teach other people. Yeah. Right. Like none of us have like very great emotional regulation skills. Like we, as a society, like we really lack the capacity to hold a lot of emotion. Um, but as we teach ourselves how to, how to be able to do that, people around us see also, right. And so like, if we're stuck in this pattern of fighting with a partner, um, you know, and, and arguing, right. Like as soon as we decide, okay, like this isn't the way that I want to do it, 
but I can still, I still care and love about this person. And, and I can see that like, they just haven't like, you know, I need to do this for myself. And so I go and I do these practices for myself and this might irritate the person even more. Like you're leaving the situation like where, because they're used to being like horn locked with us in these conversations. Right. And so then when we remove ourselves, that almost like angers them even more. But then when we come back in a new way, that's more helpful and more clear and like we're able to communicate better, like that shows them like, Oh, okay, like next time this happens and they're wanting to like go do this thing for themselves, like I'm going to let them because I know when they come back, it's going to be a better conversation. Like it feels better for me too. And so what happens is like they, like people learn by us doing it ourselves, you know, and as we heal ourselves, the people around us heal as well, whether they want to or not, they just do because it's like a byproduct of our work is benefiting the people around us the most. Um, And so over time, like they can start to see, you know, the changes and the transformations. And then they want that for themselves too, because they see how much better we can process and and deal with our lives than just falling apart and and being needy and, and projecting and all of the things that we do when we're not taking the time for ourselves. And so then they, that like empowers them to like do the same, you know, and like they get to go out and, and take space and, and love themselves and take care of themselves and learn how that process works within themselves. And it just helps every relationship that way. And so I think that's like a, a, another beautiful part of it is like, as we heal, we heal our, we heal the people around us. And, and in the beginning, it's, it's hard because it's not the same. It's different. And they're fe- like, they might feel abandoned or like, or that taking space means like we're, we're thinking of ways to like be without them. Yeah. But in reality, like we're doing this because we care about them and we care about ourselves enough that like, we need to heal this wound and, and heal this trigger so that we can come back into the relationship and be somebody that isn't triggered. Yeah. That's not in that trigger cycle and and not be so yeah like and so needy and so overbearing and so like needing to be right is the right way to say that I think yeah um because no one's right no (laughs) you know there's no No one no one really is yeah like we're everybody has like these feelings and these stories and like yeah like that might be true to you but that's might not be true to the other person and if it's not true to the other person you can't make it true for them you know, like you can have a conversation about it and speak your truth from that place of like, like, look, like this is what, this is what happened. Like, and this is why I was triggered, you know? And like, this is why I left was because like, I didn't want to put that on you, right? The trigger happens inside of me. It's not happening because of like, it's not, I'm not trying to blame you, but when I'm triggered, I am blaming you. Right? Yeah. And so when I take this space, it's like me coming into right relationship with my feeling and my trigger so that I'm not being led by that and like charged by that so that I can come back in and express something that isn't coming from a, a place of, of anger, rage, hurt, resentment, and, and being triggered. Yeah. And, and that, and that is a cycle that, you know, I, I know you found yourself in, I found myself in and, you know, breaking that cycle and shifting what you can do you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, I did it for myself at first, but it does impact those around us. And I, you see it, you eventually do come to see it, you know, even though it, do, it may not look like you think it should, 
because they may not show up in the way that you think they should, but it is impacting. It's creating a difference. And as you were sharing, I was thinking, you know, about that, just, I've seen the gifts pay off, you know, in my own relationships, in my own life. And I know, um, you know, whoever's listening to this is, can, will be able to, you know, when you stop and pause, and if you've been doing the work, like you can see it when you, when you take a look, you can see how it, it really does have that ripple effect and it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Like doing this work is, is not easy. Um, but the benefit that comes from it of like going into the darkness, right. And like really taking an honest look at ourselves um, and taking like radical, radical responsibility for our feelings and, and our actions and behaviors. Right. And like, you know, no one can make us feel anything. People can disappoint us all the time. Right. But that's yeah. because we have these expectations that we're going to, that life is fair. Yeah. That somebody is going to give back to us what we give to them. And that's just not true. And that's okay. Right. Like the golden rule that we all grew up hearing was like, treat others the way that you want to be treated. Yes. But don't expect that in return. Right. Yeah. Like, but like, there's this, like, this sense of fairness that we, that we think exists in the world, um, you know, as, as growing up as kids, because our parents try to keep it as fair as they can for us. You know, if we have siblings, like everybody gets treated equally, like there's like a fairness. Um, but as adults, like, it's just not that way. And so we have these expectations that like, we're going to get what we give. And, but that's just not true. You know, sometimes we do. And when we do, that's great, right? Like, that's like, that's like, we, we can assign that like, okay, like, this is a relationship that I can like, work with here. But when we don't, we get resentful, and we like start to blame and like, but when we get into that place, we're just much we're the victim, right? Like we're in the bit back in the victim stage, because now we're blaming and shaming and, and judging and but like, and those are all the things that are going to keep us separate from our connection with our highest self. Um, and so the, just like this allowance of, you know, and that's where boundaries come in to play really well is because like without boundaries, you know, when we're on the spiritual path and the spiritual development, right. It's like, okay, like the goal here is to like, see, see the sacredness in everybody and everything you know but there's people that don't see it in themselves and so when we treat people as sacred if they don't see the sacredness in themselves they might you know take advantage or underappreciate or undervalue like what we're giving them and so but like we can't judge them for that but because they don't know what they don't know right and so but like so people like well am i just supposed to let people walk all over me well no that's where boundaries come in right and healthy boundaries are like this is like what like this is what I expect you know like you know when we go into contracts like with clients right there's like okay like let's get very clear on the work like what is it that you're wanting what is it that you're expecting what is it that you want to gain at the end of this right so that way there's boundaries on the work so that we don't kind of like steer off and the same goes in with relationships it's like okay like somebody's like you're in like a intimate relationship, let's say, and like there, but there's never been any talk of like what support looks like, you know, or like how, you know, like 
to even if like your soulmates and you find your kindred twin flame, you still have to learn how to love each other. Mm, You know, like (laughs) your souls might recognize each other, but then here we are in this physical world. You still need to learn how to listen. You still need to learn how to communicate. You still need to learn how to love them and support them in the way that like they're going to hear and feel and love languages are different. Communication styles are different. And so like having the expectation that just like your way is going to work. And like, if they don't adapt to that, then that's like a recipe for some real failure and real disaster in, in relationship. And it causes more hardship than needs to be right. If we can just kind of like open up to like listening to our partner, like, and like, you know, when they're upset, right. We normally get defensive because we don't want to like look at ourselves in the, in the mirror. Right. But what if instead of like getting defensive, we opened up and listened and tried to find through the anger, the parts that they're trying to tell us how to love them and how to listen to them Mm. and how to like, you know, like, you know, because like, even though, because no, we're not trying to piss people off. Right. But like, if we're doing something like that is out of love, that isn't being received that way, then we need to listen because they're telling us like that they're not feeling what we're really meaning to get to them, you know? And so, okay, like I can hear through the anger that like this person's really trying to tell me how to communicate with them right now, or they're really trying to tell me how to, how to love them or support them better. Um, But if we're walled up, you know, trying to like be right, we're going to miss all of that. Like, we don't get to hear that. We just get to hear like what we're doing wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. It was your fault. Your fault. Okay. Like, great. But like, what am I, what's underneath that? Because there's something that's here that isn't, you know, the, like that is underneath the rage and is underneath the anger, which is pain, you know, like, and pain is something we can all kind of understand. And we all can compassion, get compassion with because we all carry it. Um, And, and, you know, when somebody's sharing their pain, if we get defensive, like we're not helping the situation, we're just creating more pain. Um, You know, so like being able to listen differently and love differently, support differently. um, Like that's like a really strong boundary, right? To be able to hold is, is, but they need to be clear. Boundaries need to be very clear because if they don't, like it ends up getting to be that way where like you're having to search for like what's really in, in the pain rather than just being like, okay, like I'm in a lot of pain right now. This is why, this is where it comes from. You know, like I was in a, you know, relationship before where like my partner cheated on me and now I'm like, those trust issues have carried into this relationship. And even though you haven't done anything that makes me not be trustworthy, like I'm having these insecurities because of that. Right. And so like, okay, oh, that I can understand. But what it's hard to understand is like, you can't go do that. Or like, I need to be there. Like, what's your, you know, like that stuff is hard to understand. That's like defensiveness. But if we can like learn to express and communicate better, like, but to be able to do that, we really have to know ourselves truly and be able to like, look at ourselves in the darkness, right? Like really look in the darkness, like the darkness is where all of the growth really comes from. Um, You know, and I think that a lot of the spiritual development community gets caught up in the light, right? Like in like the love and light right? Like I'm just, 
there's a part of that that's like kind of like spiritual bypassing right like there is like like if you just wake up one day and you're like all love and light you miss the point you Mm -hmm. miss the work you know um just live life and love (laughs) yeah right like you're that's a sense that's like another way of numbing of numbing out like these radical thoughts and these like you know feelings that we that we have uh, you know and it's like if we don't give some voice to the darkness within ourselves like what happens is like that seed gets planted and it just grows and grows and grows until it's a huge problem addiction um you know uh not caring not listening like all of the things right cheating manipulating like all of these things stem but if we just looked at it from the first place when it was a seed and gave it the acknowledgement that we have that it deserves we can clean it up in that place um you know and so like as the spiritual communities like going towards love and light you know like i find myself oftentimes like swimming against the stream you know and going back down the other way um into the darkness and into the void to really look at myself because yes love and light is great and i can live in that space a lot um and and it feels really good to be in that place but there's still like okay so like what happens when i'm needing to be sad or process some grief or like own a mistake that i made right or that like my love and light like didn't help somebody that was going through something because like I was, you know, how do I make up for that? How do I go back into it? Like, so it doesn't, love and light isn't all the time. It's like, there is a darkness that needs to be acknowledged and needs to be felt so that like we can shine a light in there, into those places. Um, Because without the darkness, the light is just, it's just light. Yeah. You know, like it's just, it, it doesn't really mean much. Um, you know, and there's also like the, the other side of that is like people that get caught up in doing too much work, you know, like they get caught up in the darkness and they're like thinking that they always need to be searching for like ways to fix themselves and like heal themselves. And, and sometimes the work is to stop doing work, you know, and like to integrate like the things that you have learned along your path, um, so that you can really embody them. Um, and I know we've, we've talked about this before, right? Like as we learn, right, oftentimes we think it's like a melting pot where we, it all just like pours into the same funnel and like, we get to like drink it up, absorb it up or whatever it might be. But I really don't think that it's like a melting pot of information that we're, when we learn, I think it's more of like a a mosaic, like a puzzle piece that we get to put together, Mm -hmm. um, and embodiment happens when experience and knowledge connect. Yeah. You know, so like we can gather up all of this knowledge, but if we've never felt or experienced something that a client is going through, how can we really like embody like the, the knowledge without experience? So there, there, it's like a two-phase two pull here, right? Like we need to have the knowledge, but then we have to have the experience so that we can translate the knowledge that we have into our own and make it our own. Um, and so like sometimes we'll get these pieces of the puzzle, like I was talking about earlier, that just don't connect to any other pieces, right? But we know it's important. 
because we we save it. We know, like, fuck, like, I don't really understand that. Like a, a teacher of mine recently said to me, to take offense is just as egregious as it is to give offense. And when he said it, I knew. I was like, oh, that's magic right there. I have no idea what it means. I need to sit with that for a minute. But like, I, there's something there. So I was like a piece I grabbed and I put it on the table and it wasn't really touching anything. Um, and then as I, you know, I started going along with my life and then like, I start to have this experience where I'm starting to take offense to like, you know, some, and I'm like, oh, okay. By me taking offense, I'm losing, I'm severing my connection through with my highest self right here because by me taking offense that puts me back into the victim stage oh yeah, right? the, yeah. and so in in the phases of spiritual development for me are are the victim stage which is things are happening to me the um manifestation stage which is by me things are um, I'm I'm aware that I'm not a victim to my circumstances you know I kind of come out of the blame and the shame game and now I'm able to like really kind of start to manifest like what it is in my life that I'm really wanting and be clear around what it is that I want my life to look like who I want to be how I want to show up then the third stage is the is like being a channel so the, these things are working through you now God is working through you um as a channel like in you're in that state of flow motion uh you're in the flow things like just start to be easier you start to process things easier and then the last stage is is as me right like you are fully connected and and these four stages aren't linear right like you can be in the the through me and as me stage in in one area of your life and still be a victim in the other stage you know and and something that I had just realized was about myself was there was this sadness that I had been carrying and this regret um, that I had been refusing to look at for a long time um, that made me a victim. I was a victim to that feeling. So yeah. even though like I was being able to like really channel some really profound insights and like things like and, and feel God working through me as me, there was an area of my life where I realized like, oh, I'm still a victim to this because I haven't forgiven myself yet. I haven't really reached those depths of like the deep, deep forgiveness um, to be able to like, like work with this sadness in a way that wasn't going to make me feel guilty and feel shameful. Um, you know, and, and so that's kind of like, was like a big, big key for me, especially just this last weekend, you know, where it was like, okay, like forgiveness is, isn't like a one-time shot. Self-forgiveness is definitely not a one-time shot. You know, we can forgive other people pretty, pretty easily in like a, a one-time deal, right? Where like, I'm sorry. And then if they do it again, it, it becomes a little bit harder, but you know, to forgive other people is a little bit simpler to forgive ourselves. It's a daily thing. Like we need to continue like the depths of like, especially if you're feeling any type of shame or regret, um, that's like a really heavy emotion to, to process through. And so it's almost like concrete, right? And so like the self-forgiveness, like it just starts chipping away at it, you know, and eventually it'll get a lot thinner. Um, but if we think that like, I'm just going to wake up and be like, I'm sorry that I, you know, wasn't around for my daughter for the first 15 years of her life, the way that she deserved, 
like and think that that's going to work like then i'm just spiritual bypassing that and that sadness is going to continue to keep me in that victim stage where like i'm going to continuously need to like wake up and like forgive myself for that so that i can make a different choice that's not based in shame like i can show up for her differently because like i've given myself the the forgiveness and i can start to see the difference between showing up out of regret and like trying to make up for something and really being truly present like yeah. as is right here right now there's a big difference yeah um and so that's like you know a lot of this the it's not it's not so linear right like um we want it to be if, but it's not we want it to be and it's not so if no. we find ourselves like in constant like love and light like that's a sign that we're on a linear path here and that it's not really like we need to find the way to be more like secular and, and let the circle of this life and let the circle of emotion um, kind of start to work through that way. Um, because it doesn't like without the, a little bit of like the, the shadow stuff, the light stuff is just, it's just a, a, a ego. It's yeah. just ego. Yeah. I love that so, so much. So our, um, are you working strictly one-on-one with people? Like who are you working with and how can they get a hold of you? Um, they can get a hold of me through Instagram at paleo Viking is probably the easiest way. Um, yeah. So I do one-on-one um, as well as like some group stuff, the nature immersion. I, I really enjoy doing that one-on-one. Um, I think that's the most helpful for people and, and anybody that is kind of like, that checked all the boxes, right? Like they, they have the job, they have the family, they have the house, the cars, like they did all of the things, but they're still missing something. Like, you know, if, if they're not happy in that, um, like that's, that's who I'm here to help. Right. And, and there's a, a, this common misconception in the spiritual and personal development world that like, you need to like throw everything away, you know, yeah. and like, which just isn't true. Um, people work really hard to get to where they're at in life. And my goal is to kind of help like renegotiate the contracts and the stories that they have with themselves about the things that they worked hard for Mm. and to kind of help dissipate some of the resentment and some of the blame and some of like the stories that we, we start to attach to these, these things in our lives um, and really help them get back to like, being truly happy with their lives and who they are. Um, and you don't need to quit your job. You don't need to divorce your wife. You don't need to, you know, like sometimes maybe, you know, yeah. but like, but that's not what personal growth and spiritual development is like. And if you think that that's what is necessary, again, you're just blaming somebody else and you're not taking radical responsibility. And that's what this ra- radical responsibility is personal development. That is spiritual development. It's, it's taking complete control over your thoughts, emotions, feelings, well-being, and really like being comfortable with yourself as if you had nothing. Like if you had no family, you had no job, you had no car, no house, you would still be okay. Yeah. Right. You would still be happy. Right. Because like your connection to yourself. And so then when you have the car, the family, the house, the job, like those things are just fucking awesome. They're great. You know, like they mean so much more. But when we're putting like our happiness is based off of those things, then we're doing it backwards. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, we did it, you know, the way that somebody else told us to, and the shoulds, you know, that we were taught by people that cared about us and loved us and like wanted our best, but like, we don't, we need to run those shoulds that we grew up with through our filter as adults, you know, and like, should I be married? Should I have this job? Like, and if I do have this job and I don't like it, okay, like, can I stay in this job while I figure out what it is I like to do? You know, I wanted to be a marine biologist and then I got into personal training and I did that for 20 years. And then I'm, and now I'm here, you know, like none of it makes sense. Like none of it is like in order or like kind of adds up or like plays off of each other, but it all happened for a reason. And like, I'm, I'm able to look back and see now how it all made, like it all can make sense to me now Yeah. where before it couldn't. And I, and I wore that as like guilt and shame and now I can wear it as like experience and and learning and growth and you know without going to the depths that I went to I wouldn't be able to relate to people the way that I can now you know like there's a there's a sense of compassion and understanding that I have that you know and also in the same breath like no one can say anything to me that's going to shock me right <laughs> you know like yeah like I get like no one's ever gonna say anything to me and I'm gonna be like oh my god this person's sick <laughs> you know <laughs> like so demented or twisted or broken or like you know because it's like oh yeah I've done I yes I got that I know that feeling you know yeah. I've done something similar I've thought something very similar to that you know um and there's like an understanding that happens you know and I truly believe that the depth of our struggle determines the height of our success, Mm. you know, and that doesn't always mean like try to make things really difficult for you. It just means that if that was the case, if that was the path, like, and you can own it and really start to learn from the darkness, like the height of the light is going to be so much bigger and so much brighter um, because it's relatable. Like you have the experience to really embody the lessons and the knowledge that other people just read about, you know, and, and so that, but like, we have this like understanding because there's been the experience of hitting the bottom, hitting the depths of our soul, of our physical, of our spiritual, of feeling so without feeling the lack, feeling the, you know, the unworthiness that like when we heal that, as we start to like raise all of that stuff up, like it matches 10 fold, right? It's like it, it matches the height of the unworthiness. You get to embody the that much worthiness, you know, and that much like confidence. And it's and it's I, I will kind of end with this, I believe, is that courage and fear both perpetuate themselves, right? Humility in action is courage. Fear is in action is the belief in separateness right? That we are separate or different than anybody else, that we're either special or less than, it falls under those same categories, neither one, right? We're no better and we're no less than anybody else. Everybody is equally as sacred as we are. But fear is the belief in separateness. Courage is humility in action, right? The byproduct of courage is faith. So when we humbly step forward with courage, We create more faith in ourselves, more trust in ourselves. And that cycle starts to perpetuate and we just start to grow. And all it takes is one step, one humble step. 
And sometimes that step is, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I want to be better. I want something different for my life. And I'm willing to take this first step without being able to see the rest of the staircase, the rest of the journey, but I'm done with this feeling. I'm done feeling this way. I'm done showing up this way. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I am humbly going to take this step in this direction. And the courage that that first step takes will perpetuate itself until you take another step and another step. And all of a sudden you have faith and trust in yourself that you don't know what you're doing exactly yet. You don't see the outcome, but you know and feel that you are moving in the right direction. And that is all that it takes to become spiritually aware, personally grow, taking an honest look at yourself. That's all it takes is just some humility and the courage to take the first step in a different direction. Um, and, and that'll create the faith and the trust within yourself that is needed to take a radical responsibility and the radically honestly look at yourself um, to see who you are, where you've become and, and, and how you can change, you know, and, and, and understanding that all of this is like, it comes from the inside out, right? It helps to have coaches and guides. I have coaches and guides, which I would love to give a shout out to before we close, because everything that I have learned, I have ran through my own filter, but it came from some really important people in my life. Dr. Kate Siner, uh, Jake Ballantyne, uh, Michael Bernard Beckwith, um, my girlfriend, Jen, obviously, Jen Chrisman, um, and, and Peter Dratcher. Like these people have been instrumental in my life and teaching me um, and, and helping me, helping guide me to my own healings. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I want to give them a shout out and just to, you know, remind people like it's hard, but it's worth it. It's it is. worth it. It really is like, you know, t 10 years from now, 10 years from now will have passed regardless of what we do. Yeah. We can stay here. We can stay the same, or we can choose to want more of ourselves to like really reach into our highest potential and kind of start to pull it out. And in 10 years, we can either be in the same place or we can be in some place totally different. Um, you know, but time is going to pass regardless. And, and one, one last thing I'll share with everybody that I really have been coming to terms with is that we have this dual citizenship, right? We have a dual citizenship, one with eternity and another with time. Right. So on this spiritual development process, don't spend too much time in eternity, right? Healing those like eternal wounds because this, our citizenship with time will run out. Our citizenship with eternity is here for eternity. We'll always get to be spiritual beings, you know, but bring the spiritual into the humanness um, and be a human, like be the best human you can be find out ways within yourself to expand how to be a better human. How do I, how do I become a better me? How do I become a kinder me? How do I love myself more? How do I see more beauty? Because when this is over and we go to eternity, right? These, these spirits and energies that we work with, like they envy us because we had the courage to incarnate into this human experience, knowing that it was gonna be about suffering and about pain and learning through those two things. 
Um, and a lot of like spirits and energy don't have the capacity. They don't have the courage to do that. They envy us. So they, they'll help guide us along our way, but they didn't have what it takes. And we did. We showed up in the tipping point of all things right now, right? At this time and space, a billion people showed up together to, to make a difference on this planet. Yeah. Um, and so, no, like we have the capacity to do that. Like it is as hard as it might seem like with the hard helps the beauty, right? The duality of life, like the challenge helps the success, the dark helps the light. Like, so like when we do the work, like know that nothing is temporary. Like we got to come out the other side. And, and when we do, we got to just like be at peace, you know, have that inner peace and be able to see the beauty of our mistakes, the beauty of each other, the beauty of, differences the beauty that this earth and pachamama gets to give to us on a daily basis um and that's really special so thank you katrina for doing what you do thank you to everybody that's listening for showing up in this time and space um yeah i yeah. love you all and we love you. I love you. And I, I just, your, your passion and your kindness and your heart to serve is comes through every time, you know, we talk and it's seen and it's heard. And I know there was a ton of value on this episode. I mean, you just gave us all your all. And I know we could talk for hours about this <laughs> stuff because we love talking about it and it's just so, so good. And I want to encourage those of you who are listening would love for you to, and I'll tag, I'll tag and, and put his uh, Instagram stuff in the, in the links and all that. Reach out to him, reach out to Matt and let him know like what you got from this episode, share it with a friend, whatever that looks like for you. Like I know that I love knowing or just hearing that feedback that something stuck out to you and how can you take this and, and bring it into your life today? Um, I know um, Matt would appreciate that as well. And yeah. we just love this work that we get to do. So thank you again so much for coming and sharing your light, your love and your message. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. All right. You all know where that magic is. And I just love and support you to go out there and start digging into it and find it for yourself. much for listening and if you loved this episode and know of someone else who has a powerful story and are doing big things please pass them on to me it would mean the world to me if you helped me get this message out to as many listeners as I can so please if you liked what you heard it goes a long way to take 60 seconds leave me a five-star review and share this episode with a girlfriend don't forget to tag me on social media. And if that's not your thing, shoot me a DM because I would like to personally thank you for doing so. We are not meant to do this life alone. And I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. Until next time. Bye.